Does the Bible predict there will be a great shaking of the nations at the end of the age? We'll look at this today in the Five State Revival Podcast. Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. I record this podcast to invest in the move of God that's happening in our five state region of South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And today's episode is actually the 50th uh, podcast that I've recorded as part as the Five State Revival podcast. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you so much to those of you who have been faithfully listening to this podcast for the past two years or so that I've been doing it and uh, sharing it with others and helping others uh, get the word out to other people. And some of you, many of you actually have sent me encouraging feedback that have just encouraged me to keep on going with this podcast. So anyway, God bless you guys and thank you so much. In today's episode, I'm going to continue the conversation about the end times with Ray Vanderlinden and Paul Goodman. And in particular, we're going to be focusing on, uh, does the Bible predict that there will be a great shaking of the nations preceding the return of Jesus? And we had a lot of good content in this conversation that we'll get straight into right after this word from our sponsor. Okay, so we just finished talking about Jesus' reign on the earth and how awesome it's going to be. He's going to come back. He's going to rule the nations. It's going to be righteousness, peace and joy, prosperity uh, everywhere. Uh, Jerusalem will be the, ca- the governing capital of his kingdom over the whole earth. Um, you know, the, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. There'll be just uh, peace and harmony. It's going to be awesome. So uh, righteousness, all that good stuff. But the Bible does make it clear that before we get to that point of his glorious return, the earth is going to go through some pretty intense stuff. It's going to experience great, both great shaking and great revival before Jesus returns. And so um, I just want to talk about both of these, you know, and, and I, I think in a lot, you know, in different circles, we'll emphasize one of these against the other. Um, you know, some circles like to emphasize the, 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 uh, the difficult elements of the, the great shaking that are going to be happening in the nations preceding the return of Jesus. And those things are accurate. The Bible is very clear about that. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, but then sometimes uh, it's easy. Some of those can't may not focus on all the scriptures that talk about the wonderful breakthroughs of the kingdom that are going to be happening during that season as well. And the great revival, the great commission being completed, all this kind of stuff. Um, some like to focus on the, the great revival, but they never talk about the great shaking or they just think everything's just going to get better and better and better and better and better until everything's perfect. But that's not the complete story of what the Bible tells. So the Bible says both. There's going to be great shaking. There's also going to be great revival. So we'll start talking about, uh, some of the elements of the shaking of the nations that are that, that they're going to experience before Jesus returns. So uh, let me just read a verse and then I'll have you guys just start sharing some of the things the Bible talks about, about the great shaking. Um, Jesus said, Matthew 24, 21 and 22, he's talking about immediate, you know, proceeding his return. He says, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. That's a massive statement right there from someone who never lies or exaggerates. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity 
is shortened, um, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened, praise the Lord, for the sake of God's chosen ones. So we see great shaking. It's 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 going to be happening before Jesus returns. So why don't you guys talk about some of the elements of that? I'll, I'll let Ray start this one. Yeah, so I, I always have a hard time, like, I always try to think of these verses in the context of like the different eschatological belief systems and like how they would read it. And so, because each one interprets it differently. And I think to be fair and to teach it well and to to discuss it well, you have to kind of think through like, Oh, like why would somebody think we would go to a place where it's like, well, it is only going to get better and better and better, or it's only going to get worse and worse and worse, or it is somewhere in the middle. And so, I just think it's really important to not be overly optimistic or overly pessimistic, but to really take ourselves to the scripture and understand what it is that Jesus had to say. I mean, if we're going to think that we're not going to run into a crisis, Jesus says it's going to be like no other time in history. It's going to be the worst time in history is essentially what he's saying. I think the book of Daniel makes reference to this as well. And so, well, you just look at, you know, some would say that's 70 AD. So that happened in 70 AD right, with the siege on Jerusalem and the Romans. Well, I, I understand that argument. But then you look at, like, World War One and World War Two, which just in the death toll, like, crush 70 AD as far as how, uh, I don't know, if you want to make the comparison, I don't wouldn't know how to yeah. compare it, but it's, it's it far, World War One, and World War Two, in and of themselves, not even combined, far outweigh what happened in 70 AD. So, I think if we're going to take Jesus's words at face value, we have to give it, uh, we have to, we have to say to ourselves, there's something coming that has not happened yet. Right. So we have to, we have to come from that perspective, but then, so you got the overly pessimistic crowd that will say, because of this, like, we're not going to see God's power. There's just going to be a rapture. And so the rapture is going to deliver people from this bad thing that's going to happen. And in that, like there'll just be a remnant left and the remnant will be small and the church won't walk in power. But really the Bible talks about both of these things happening at the same time. So the wheat and the tares grow up together. There's, um, you know, a difficult time on the earth. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, And in that we have to understand that we are to walk in great power. And that is the trajectory that the church is on. And I think a lot of people are on that trajectory um, but at the cost of downplaying the crisis. And so I think it's good that we're already aiming that direction. I think that we need to get into our discussion, the idea of a crisis and not thinking that talking about a crisis is somehow, um, the way it's usually framed out is like, Jesus, Jesus is more powerful than the crisis. So we don't need to talk about the crisis, right? It just gets like minimized and mitigated and, and, uh, but that's really not fair to scripture. And so I think when we talk about it, though, too, we can't just talk about it in the context of like a big bad war is coming, right? So that's typically what we think is like a big bad war is coming and something really bad on the earth is going to happen. But it's, it's not even just that. It's, it's the rise of anger and rage in the nations. It's the rise of slander. It's the rise of brother hating brother in small ways and in ways that we wouldn't perceive as part of the crisis. And so the crisis is even rising up sometimes right in our own churches where we have animosity um, amongst the believers. You know, that's a part of it. 
And so then we have, you know, political divide and, and, and splits even in our churches because we disagree on a doctrine or we disagree theologically on something or we disagree politically where we think, you know, what the Lord is doing and what he isn't doing. And so uh, Jesus calls us to be aware that these things actually steal our joy. They steal our light. They steal our salt. And that we're supposed to focus completely on him, completely on his word, on what he says, and trust in that. And so the way to uh, stay safe is to solely focus is to solely focus on him and his word and what it says, and be sober minded about it. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Paul, what what are what are some of the elements of the great shaking that the scripture talks about the nations will experience? Um, you know it. I just think about, uh, you know, Jesus himself painting a picture uh, in Matthew 24, very close. You know, he's approaching his death. These are some of his uh, last words to his disciples. And he, it's actually he, his most extensive teaching on the end times it, it, it is Matthew 24 and 25. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I just kind of like look through the, the passage of um, Matthew 24, you know, we're going to see increase in wickedness. The love of most will go cold, right? Um, but then at the same time, like we said, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Um, and so, I, you know, just like you both said, we're going to see a great shaking we're going to see a great move of the spirit at the same time, the wheat and the tares, they'll be growing up together. I think in our nation today, uh, in Western mentality, there's like this dichotomy that exists that you're forced to choose between two things, right? So in our political sphere, you can be pro-life or you could be pro-climate but you can't be both of those in our country, right? Like you, you can't choose, it, we are forced to make a decision which, which to choose. And I think in the church, like Ray said, um, there's people that are overly negative or there's people that are overly optimistic. And I agree with his statement. We have to just take a hold of what Jesus says in the word. And instead of uh, rationalizing away the conquering King, King Jesus, who will come back as the second David, um, instead of uh, dismissing that and saying, well, that already happened um, during 70 AD, we need to embrace and we need to, we need to wrap our heads around this conquering King Jesus and say, oh my goodness, he is coming back and it's going to be intense. It's going to be an, an intense thing, and we need to not soften the edges of that. We need to embrace it. We need to let that dig into our heart. And so, um, I mean, it says we're going to be seeing a lot of signs, right? Yeah. We're going to see signs in the heavenlies as his, as his um, approach draws near. We're going to see um an increase in trouble across the world. Like it's not just going to happen uh, in a vacuum. Um, 
he's he's alluding here that you know you're gonna see there's gonna be some rumors of wars there's gonna be wars and from what i where i stand i feel like he's saying yes internationally across the whole world but like we're saying like we said in the last podcast like jesus is he's really focused on also the events of the middle east and so i think he's calling us to keep our eyes on the events of the middle east and look at those shakings that are occurring in the middle east as well and um you know we as we know uh ever since israel was reborn as a nation in 1948 we have seen wars constant rumors of wars yeah um and uh uh, a rise, you know, even after World War II, that was, there's now a massive surge of anti-Semitism across the earth right now. Um, in Western countries, as well as um, extreme, extremist, you know, Muslim countries. Yeah. Um, and so that all kind of lines up with a lot of prophecies about about Israel and about, you know, events that take place in and around Israel around the time of Jesus's return. Um, you know, one of the things that happened, it, it, he, Jesus teaches us that he says, Hey, look for these signs. Look for these signs. He said, just like the fig tree that withered. Yes. Right. He says, look, and, 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 and he used the fig tree as an example, too. He's like, as soon as you know the signs, you know how to tell the times. Uh, the, you know, the, sorry, you need to know, you know, well, you need to know the signs yes. of the times. He's like, you can look at the weather and tell what the weather is going to be like. You can look at the fig tree and know when it's ready to bear its fruit. So he's like, just in the same way, use your same common sense, right? He said it's not going to be super difficult to discern that he's coming yeah. for those who are who, for those who are aware and watching. And so um, those are some those are some takeaways from that uh, Matthew twenty four passage yeah. um, that talks about his his coming. And of course, we haven't even touched on how he, Jesus himself, goes into great detail and gives the events uh, surrounding his coming in great detail in the book of Revelation. You know, yes. we have the, all the uh, all the judgments. Yeah, the twenty-one judgments. <laughs> yep, and so uh, of course, all those passages go into great detail about the great shaking that will come. And of course that, um, and I would say Ray can expound upon this. And I don't know if this is in what he wants to say, but the events in revelation mirror the events in the book of Exodus. And so that's good. We we see, um, the shaking that occurred in Exodus towards Pharaoh and his kingdom his evil kingdom mirrors the shaking that will go on towards the end of the age and the, the evil governments 
and evil rulers that will arise. And so it's very consistent with this foreshadowing that occurs in the Old Testament and like the really real thing right. that happens, you know, in the, new, in the new covenant and after and in pertaining to his return and, yeah. and after his return. And so I don't know if Ray, if it's on your mind to, to share about uh, about how that those two mirror each other at all, but he's done a great study on that before. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> I just think like we, like sometimes I think we can think of scripture in a way that's like, it's too imaginative. Like we don't actually just think of it like how things happen. Like the Bible is more, more along the lines of like, this is just how things happen in, in the natural order, right? And I think sometimes we give our imagination to something like the book of Revelation. And so we imagine something that doesn't really fit into the order of the way things already work in the sense of how people respond to fear and why there will be, you know, catastrophe. And, and so I think some of the things that, yes, they are supernatural, but like even in the book of Exodus, if we want to know what the book of Revelation looks like, we don't need to leave it into our imagination. You just go to the book of Exodus and you see, you know, how did the people respond? What, what did they respond like in the desert? What did uh, the Egyptians respond like? How did the leaders respond? And all of it is a, is a foreshadow and a type of really what we can expect in the future. That's what it's there for. And so, you know, Jesus is a type, or, or Moses is a type of Jesus, you know? And so there's a lot to go into and it would get us off of our points, but I, I do love that, that particular topic. But we don't have to think of it outside of the terms that are already there. You know what I mean? The framework is already there. So we don't have to like get into some weird space in our imagination where we're imagining like things happening on such a different level that it wouldn't be almost expected. I imagine end times things happening and like NFL games are still happening. You know what I mean? And it's like, people are still going about their business. Like we've acclimated, like this is the way life is, you know, like this is normal. And meanwhile, we're in the middle of like massive crisis, but people are just still doing people things, you know? That's good. So I, I think of, I love, you know, Paul, you brought up, you mentioned Matthew 24 and uh, I, I love Matthew 24. I need to just teach the Mount Olivet discourse. I really want to do that. Just do a series, just teach through it. You have like just a quick overview. I, I think understanding Matthew 24 is like, it's actually a chron. It's chronological. Jesus is mentioning see uh, signs to look for that will lead up to his return in, in chronological order. He, <laughs> he actually lists that I mean, it's not exhaustive, but, but it's, it's pretty detailed. And so he's answering the question. His disciples ask him, they're like, what sign will signal your return in the end of the age? That, so the entire chapter, he's answering that question. What are the signs that will signal us that you're about to return, which in their understanding, they knew that marks the end of this present evil age and the beginning of the, the age to come of righteousness. And so he begins answering the questions in first in verse four through, um, through f uh, 14 uh, or four through eight. I'm sorry. He begins giving like these general signs that the way I see this passage is like these, um, he, he lists a bunch of things that will happen that, but and he likens them to birth pains. And, you know, there are things like wide religious deception, uh, 
prejudice, racism, nations going to war against nations, uh, wars and rumors of wars, uh, you know, earthquakes, pestilences, you know, those kind of deals going on, which have been happening throughout history, right? Those things have been happening. But he, he says, these are some signs, but then he makes a statement. He's like, but, you know, the, um, he's like, don't worry. This is, this is only the, the first of the birth pains. There's more to come. And I, when I think of birth pains, it's like a woman who's in labor. Uh, when, when she starts having those contractions, um, at first, you know, they're like maybe 30 minutes apart. They're pretty mild. They're, you know, she can walk around and laugh and have a conversation. But as she gets closer to the, the time to birth the baby, those contractions get more intense and they get closer and closer together. Like there's greater in frequency, greater in intensity. And leading up to, to the point where right before, man, she's not laughing anymore. She's not just having casual conversation anymore. She is focused. She is completely focused on what is happening with the birthing of this baby. Yeah, and good. till the moment of rejoicing comes when the baby is born. And, and, and I think Jesus is using it. The, the baby being born is the return of Jesus in the, the age to come. Jesus reign on earth, which we were talking about before. It's like, this is the baby. This is the time of rejoicing. And he says, these are some general signs that they're going to be happening throughout history. But as we get closer to the return of the Lord, they're going, to, um, they're going to become way more intense and way more frequent uh, in the earth. And then he gets even more detailed. And, and he's listing things like the earthquakes, the pestilences. I mean, right now, you know, there's the coronavirus that's happening uh, uh, in China. And, yeah. you know, there's this, this fear uh, that's, that, that people have. Like, what is this thing? How, how widespread is it? You know, what's it going to lead to? Do, how do we get it under control? You know, and uh, these type of things are going to escalate there's going to be this coupled with so many other things that are going to be happening in the earth. But he talks about, these are some of the negative, uh, uh, negative signs. Sin becoming mature in the earth is one of the things the Bible says. That is terrifying. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely terrifying. Sin becoming in mature in the earth. And if you couple that with sinful people who are thinking primarily of themselves being gripped and driven by a spirit of fear, and survival, <laughs> um, that, that's going to lead to some, some negative stuff. But then he talks about there'll be a great falling away. Uh, there'll be a great number of people who identify as followers of Jesus who will actually deny the faith. And it's significant enough where it's actually mentioned several places in the Bible as one of the signs to look for that will be a hallmark preceding yeah. his return. And so it's, you know, there's been people falling away ever since Judas <laughs> in the days of Jesus. But, but again, like they're going to, it's, it's going to escalate to a point where it's just going to be a significant, I see, I imagine it as like a movement where it just becomes like a movement where people are just leaving the faith and it's becoming this cool thing. That's me reading into it, but either way, there'll be a great falling away. There'll be um, widespread persecution, widespread religious deception. There'll be persecution, not only of the church, but of Israel, um, there'll be the rise, the Antichrist. There'll be a, a, a demonized, wicked man far beyond uh, Hitler uh, in his evil, and he'll be able to take it further than Hitler was able to take it, who will actually demand to be worshipped as God, and he'll have a false prophet performing demonic signs and wonders 
to get people to buy into his lie. And the option, and he, he will actually hunt down and kill people that will not worship him. <laughs> I mean, this is intense with more consequences. I mean, uh, there is, um, and he will actually have an army that will surround the nation of Israel, attack the city. At some point, they'll enter into this, into, into, uh, into the area and, and uh, two-thirds of the people living in the city, the Bible says, will be killed. Um, says that in Zechariah. I mean, these are just, and these are like some of the things, but then you have the 21 judgments that God does uh, in Revelation, where literally in, within a three and a half year time span, one half of the population of the earth is killed. I mean, that, that's never happened. We've never seen anything on that scale. Can you, I mean, how many people are on the earth right now? Would you, I don't even know. Is it like, like 6 billion, 6 billion or something like that? I mean, could you yeah. imagine three years from now, there being 3 billion people left on the earth? That's it. That's insane. I mean, what would have to happen? And, but it's going to happen and it's literal and it, they're described. There's a series of judgments that God brings um, in revelation, the love of many growing cold, financial difficulty, a third world war, famine. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And uh, yeah. the Bible describes these things. But, you know, to, to your point, Ray, that you were making earlier uh, about, um, you know, not wanting to, well, we're going to win anyway, so let's just not even talk about it or focus on these things. And um, I, I, I think that's unwise for several reasons. One, because it was in, Jesus thought it was an important enough to equip us that he talks about them in detail many times. And, uh, and, and tells us to prepare our hearts and to watch for these things to be, and, yeah. you know, Peter says, be sober minded. And I, I think of another thing is like, what, what general of an army, even in the natural says, Hey guys, we're far superior to these guys. Don't even worry about it. It's going to be easy. We're just going to go in. It's all going to work out good in the end. He's like, no, right. a good general, they go through boot camp and they put them through, they try to mirror the challenges they're going to face in war. Uh, to, to equip them like guys, yes, we expect to win, but guys, this is going to be hard. This is what to expect. And you need to prepare your right. heart. It's not going to be easy when you're in the midst of this. And I yeah. think of, of Jesus, the Holy spirit preparing the people of God who are going to be living in the midst of these conditions, not just to survive them, but to thrive and shine uh, yeah. and do all the good stuff. The great revival that's going to be happening. We'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, He's like, guys, prepare your hearts. This is not going to be just a walk in the park. It's it's going to be challenging, and yeah. I, um, yeah. So, go ahead. I just said a ton I, of stuff. I think that one um one piece that some people struggle with is like uh, that I've heard you know some people say before is like how can Christians be present when the judgments of the Lord are being poured out upon the earth. And, um, you know, because, uh, why should Christians be, be judged with the wicked when the grace of the Lord is upon us? And so I always, uh, you know, refer people back to what happened in the Exodus, right? The judgments are meant for, the evil right ruler right of the end times pharaoh yes and his rulers and the wicked and this is their their in increasing intensity 
And so as this darkness rises, right, the, and the light is also bright, um, these people will have seen miracles. And it's interesting, just as you said, like how this Antichrist will have a prophet, a false prophet doing miracles. For some reason, something clicked in me, how it was almost like the Pharaoh of old, when Moses went before them, Moses did miracles. And then Pharaoh turned his false prophet magicians, and they were able to duplicate some of those signs, you know, and kind of dismiss it, you know, it's like, Oh, we can do that too. You know, but they're only able to do it like, right. Like once, like one time, right. Or twice. It was and just like then, two or three. Yeah, it wasn't much. Right. Right. And then it, then they were like, all right, we're in over our heads now. And, uh, and so I think people need to um, be aware that these judgments are meant to be an act of the goodness of God, the least amount of shaking to wake up the maximum amount of people. Because what good God would see horrific end coming and if someone is asleep at the wheel of their life and they're about to hurl, hurdle themselves, hurl themselves over a cliff, what good God would not shake them so like you said earlier his grace and his mercy and his love and his kindness and goodness and miracles are are completely his plan a yes but if people do not respond to that through out of his love he's gonna start poking them and then he's gonna start start shaking them and desiring a response but um that's why i believe like there'll be people that are hardened and Mm -hmm. they'll say they'll look at miracles they'll witness miracles arms growing back legs growing back blind eyes open just like what happened um during the time of jesus and it's already occurring right now on the earth yeah but they'll look at those and they'll say that's fake you know, or they'll just be like, yeah, that's, I, you know, I don't know. They'll dismiss it somehow. They'll dismiss the goodness of God and then it will be the shaking because God wants people to come to repentance. He wants that's them it. to repentance. So that's those are two, those are two big mental hurdles that people need to overcome Yeah, is one like how can Christians be on the earth when these judgments are present? And two, where is God's goodness in the midst of this shaking? And I, I think though that can kind of help break down those, those two mentalities. Yeah. So. I love that you brought that up. The, the, those are great questions that have great answers in the Bible, yep. but they're important uh, yep. to find what God says about that and to have his perspective on it. So Ray, were you going to say something? I didn't want to cut you oh, off. I was just, no, that's cool. Uh, I was just going to add in, you know, like I always, I, I oftentimes think of what Jesus talks about in, Act, or in, uh, in Matthew 24 too, is like that information is helpful no matter what part of the age we are in. So like if Jesus isn't returning for another 500 years, the info is helpful in regards to crisis in any day. And so that, that information, like we don't have to be like, so you can get like 
you can be in a people group that's like, well, Jesus is returning at any minute and we have to like store up guns and this and be that and like get really, really intense about it in a way that's not healthy. Or you could take the practical side of it is like he could return tomorrow, which we know he's not actually because of second Thessalonians that he's not returning any minute, but we do know that, you know, he could return, let's say in the next 20 years, or he could return in the next 500 years. The time frame does not really matter. What matters is, is that he's prepared our hearts and our minds for crisis through the word of God. And so that if there's another world war or World War I or World War II, we can know how to respond in a time of crisis so that when the ultimate crisis does come, the generations are prepared for it. Uh, Jeremiah 12, 5, it says, uh, if you, I'll read it here. He says, if you've raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you, how will you compete with horses? And so if you're not prepared for the ultimate race by doing the exercise, right? And that's what we're seeing all throughout history is the exercise is happening in waves. So people always say, well, they thought it was the end of the, you know, they thought it was the end of the age back then. And then they thought it was the end of the age. It's like, well, crisis is a common narrative. And so Jesus in Matthew 24, he prepares us for that common narrative saying, it's always going to intensify. It is going to get worse. This thing will culminate and it will hit its peak. And when it does, Matthew 24, you're going to see it all throughout time as evidence of, of, uh, of the testimony of scripture, but also this is how you respond. And then he gives us, uh, you know, Psalm 2, Micah 7. And so you start putting these Bible verses together and you see he's like, it does not matter if I return in 20 years, 500 years, or 1,000 years. I've prepared you for every crisis. This is how you respond. That's good. I think of, um, you know, uh, you, you, Paul, you know, you, you, you brought up the question about, you know, how, how could a good God pour out the, the 21 judgments against his people, you know, and judge them along with the wicked? And, and, uh, and I love that you brought that up because that's – but. You know, actually, and the, the Bible talks about actually the, the judgments that he's pouring out, those 21 judgments in Revelation, are not against the righteous. Um, he's pouring them out against the wicked, against the, the Antichrist and his armies. And, um, and he's, there's actually going to be a divine protection over the people of God on the earth from the judgments of the Lord. Now, we're going to be going through suffering. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be all that kind of stuff happening. There's going to be hardship and challenges, but there's also going to be miraculous provision. Um, there's going to be miraculous protection from the Lord. You know, I think of, uh, you, again, I love that you brought up Exodus, um, you know, the Goshen principle, where a lot of these judgments come against Pharaoh and Egypt. They were, but in Goshen, where the people, the covenant people of God live, there was a divine protection, like the the hail did not fall on them. It fell everywhere else. You know, the, the, um, right. the people who were part of God's covenant community, they weren't coming against them. Um, they were experiencing intensified hardship and persecution from Pharaoh as he kept, got mad right. and kept upping the, making things more difficult for them, et cetera. But ultimately God was fighting for the, his people to deliver them. And I yeah. think even the escalating nature of intensity of his judgments, um, is actually his mercy. It's like this wake up call that gets louder and louder. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you get to that point where the, when revelation six starts the season on the earth, when, when the first of the seal judgments start in revelation 21, 
in Revelation 6. Um, when, that, when that starts, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. When that starts, God knows this. God's looking at it. He knows what he's doing. And he's saying to the earth, he's like, You're, you, all of you, like every single one of you, are within three and a like at most you're three and a half years away from being in the lake of fire forever, right? Forever, and so there's this the the, the intensity of the wake up call just escalates as we get closer and closer, and it's like this he's like turn from your sin and repent, and there's revival that's happening simultaneously as all these things that the God's signs and wonders are going as God's we preach the gospel to the nations people will be coming to the Lord. Um, you know, good things will be happening as well. But, but I see like the judgments and the revival even working together. Yes. Yeah. Um, to bring I, I, in the harvest. I agree. Like how crazy is it that we would be able, we'll be able to go up, minister to a neighbor, right? See them healed. Um, maybe provide food and water provisions to them miraculously. Right, the believers during this time, and then say, you know what? You know how yesterday there was uh, hail and fire that fell from heaven, um, and about a third of the earth is on fire right now because that's the uh, first um, the first trumpet. Well, tell you what, let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Right, tomorrow is going to be a huge mountain that falls from space. <laughs> And well, and it's been this has been prophesied in this best the best selling book of all time. Yes, and it's been sitting in this book for the last two thousand plus years. Yeah, and uh, let me just tell you what's going to happen next. And so I think it'll uh, the believers who are alive during that age will be able to be the wonderful ministers uh, of the gospel. So good. I, I think too, when like Psalm 91 is this famous passage of scripture talking about God's protection over his people, right? And yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, we read that and so many of the things it says, we take it like it, it's metaphoric, right? Of just the different aspects of his prote protection a lot of times. But my hypothesis is that it's not just metaphoric. I think that there's going to be a season on the earth. I think Psalm 91's greatest, most literal fulfillment will be during the, the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years. And when it, when it talks about, um, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you. These evils will not touch you. Just you will only see the punishment of the wicked. And he's like, these aren't aimed at you. <laughs> you know, these are aimed at the wicked. And he's like, you're going to have divine protection. It goes on about angelic protection, etc. But um. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five State Revival Podcast. Hey guys, I am excited to announce to you that I've just republished uh, the book that I wrote, Relentless Passion, Encounter God, 
Burn with Passion for Jesus. It's available for purchase on Amazon.com. It's got a brand new cover. And uh, I would like to encourage you to invest in your relationship with Jesus by going and purchasing this book um, or purchasing it for somebody that you think it would be a blessing to. And basically, I wrote this book uh, to write down some of the principles I've learned uh, about how to position your heart to encounter God and keep growing in passion for Jesus over our entire lifetime. So we don't want to just burn for God for a few weeks or a few months or a few years. We want to burn with passion for Jesus all the days of our lives. And there are things that the Bible tells us that we can do to position our hearts to grow in passion for him. And I've written some of those things down in this book. I think you'll find it helpful. And could you do me a favor? If you've already read this book, could you go to amazon.com and actually leave a positive review um, about what blessed you when you read the book. How did the book help you grow in your relationship with Christ? And that would help us get the word out to other people. And uh, thank you again for listening to this podcast. And I look forward to uh, connecting you with you again on the next episode.